Would you rather talk about your sex life or money life? Surprisingly, most people would rather not talk about money, how to save it or invest it. This podcast is about helping you simplify your money life. Delivered by Dr. Henry Joseph Sveck, a psychologist by training, Henry is a seasoned investor with over 40 years of successful investing in real estate, stocks and other alternate forms of income generation. Tune in to the twice-monthly podcasts to get his thoughts and tips on how to reach financial freedom. How to achieve the life you deserve. Now, here's Dr. Speck. Welcome to this first podcast. I'm Dr. Henry Speck. Today's podcast is simply called The Ice Cream Shop. Three important investment strategies you need to remember. And let me just start with the story. And this is actually a story uh, that I experienced and an experience I had. In 1987, I was at Michigan State in East Lansing, Michigan, taking classes and and, uh, enrolled in the doctoral program so that I could become a psychologist. And one of the traditions we had in the time I was there was to go to the Michigan State Dairy and to buy ice cream because they made it right on campus. They had a dairy on campus and you could go. And it was fresh, meaning it was probably made the day before. The ingredients were all fresh, and it was really high butterfat. It was a great ice. It was a great ice cream experience. So, near the end of my stay there for uh, to take classes, I asked if I could uh, learn how to make ice cream. And first, they kind of balked at it, but then the general manager came out, or the head of production, I think he was called, and he told me that he was going to be retiring within the month. And although it's never done, he would be happy to have me come in for a day and just sort of work with him while he made ice cream. So I did that. I uh, went to the dairy and we hung out and uh, he ordered his, he, he taught me everything from the beginning to the end of how he made ice cream in that uh, dairy uh, and that ice cream shop in East Lansing, Michigan. He gave me a lot of tools, information, things I needed to remember when making ice cream. And so after that, I went back to the family farm where we had a a lot of fruit, cherries, and raspberries, and all those wonderful things you can make ice cream with. And I decided I was going to start an ice cream company because it made sense. I had fresh fruit. I had the training at at Michigan State, the big one-day training. So I was going to change the ice cream world. So I dove head on in. I purchased a very small ice cream maker. It's called a ba- they're called batch freezers, and this batch freezer was so tiny. I think I made about a liter of ice cream per batch, very tiny, and started. And over time, uh, people loved it and built it up, and to the point where I thought, you know, this is going so well. I need to expand this business, this ice cream business. And so the next step was to uh, set up an operation, and actually. Uh, create a franchise agreement and had a lawyer write up a franchise agreement and had my first franchisee in London, Ontario on Richmond Road. Now, if you know London, Ontario, Richmond Road is a pretty cool place, uh, right near one of the popular college uh, pubs. Somehow I talked my way into this uh, building. Didn't know a lot. Didn't even probably read. I don't think I read the lease. Signed the lease and got started. The day before uh, that shop opened, the owner who had bought it from us had said in a note, left me a note on the door. I was going for the opening, left me a note on the door and said, he can't go through with it, Um, just not going to do it. And he was stressed out, so he took off, basically. 
Well, eventually he came back and ran it for a little while, but uh, then he just simply uh, didn't do it. He didn't he didn't understand business, didn't understand. I mean, it was a nice day. He'd go golfing, and he'd shut down the ice cream shop. And, of course, I didn't know what was going on because I wasn't in London, Ontario. I was in Blenheim, Ontario, on the farm and doing one of my many uh, jobs that I had to try to make a living. So he was pretty much on his own, even though we trained him, taught him how to do it, brought in all the equipment. And even when he left, even though he had signed all kinds of um, security agreements and I could have easily uh, gotten the funds that he owed us, I chose to not do that because he wasn't feeling well and I, I felt sorry for him. So I let him go. And I guess I felt responsible for that failure. So now I was running an ice cream shop there. And at the same time, approximate same time, this is uh, early 1990s, 1990, I believe, we had opened up an ice cream shop in the in a mall in London, Ontario, an internal mall, which was unheard of because we had no brand name. We were just, I was just a guy from a farm opening a mall. So, uh, sorry, a shop in a mall. So we did that. We opened the uh, the mall store, and over time, uh, we we set it up. It was a small four hundred square foot store. Um, again, I signed a lease with the corp. Not really sure a lot about you know, what what it was all about, but I did it anyway. And the first month in that little 400-square-foot store, we did $15,000 in business. Unheard of. I believe on Richmond Street at that time, we were doing five or six. So for a very small little company, um, we were doing okay. Now, here's the thing about making ice cream in Ontario that's very different from Michigan. In Michigan, when I was there, and I was there for the day when he... Um, you know, was ordering his his milk and batch milk and batch mixes and cream. He could call five different dairies and get five different prices for his ice cream and different. They would make it custom for him, and he could order as few as fifty gallons of a certain mix to test it out. But when I came back to Ontario, I realized very quickly there was one place you could buy milk from. The prices were all the same, and you only really got a price based on volume. So you would get a rebate check, they called it. The more milk products and the more ice cream you use. And, of course, I didn't know that when I signed all these leases and started this ice cream business. And, by the way, at the end of this story, I'm going to give you the three key learning uh, posts or points from this experience that that really have changed my life. So as we went on, things were going okay. But the first after the first month in the mall, suddenly the entrance was closed right near where our store was. And so people, the, the traffic in a mall, if you know anything about mall traffic, if you start changing that traffic, people stop walking by your store. And sales went from 15000 to $5,000. Staffing was an issue. Um, we were hiring people who seemed like good people. We didn't have a real extensive hiring process. We didn't uh, put people through the paces. And the most important thing is we didn't have systems in place to be able to monitor things like cash flow and sales on a daily basis or what was actually going on in our business because we were 100 miles away. A lot of the business at that time was also cash because there, were, there weren't a lot of um, you know, opportunities for electronic transfer of funds in, in early 1990 for a small business. So long story short, the businesses started to suffer and we had to close them down. Now, in closing the businesses, it was very difficult. We still made ice cream on the farm. We continued that until we basically stopped farming. Um, but for those stores, they were a separate corporation, separate uh, uh, entity. Uh, we had to shut them down, and we did. 
And it was very difficult, very difficult, very painful. Um, when it was all said and done, I was on the hook for about $150,000 perhaps. Interest rates at that time were about 22%. And the bank wasn't happy. Now, a number of lessons that, that you'll, you'll see here. It, so when we started to talk to the bank, it was like, well, you, you know, you, you should, you owe us the money and this and that. And I started to negotiate with them. And the first time I called, my lawyer actually did, I had a lawyer and I called him up and I said, offer them 60. He said, well, you don't understand. He said, uh, this is one of the largest banks in Canada. I said, well, they're all large. What are you talking about? He said, well, you can't, they're not going to take that. I said, listen, you're working for me. I don't care what you think. You call them up and you offer them 60. Well, he did begrudgingly and complaining about it. And sure enough, they took 75. Now, the problem is I didn't have $75,000. So I had to find $75,000. So what I was able to do is I had a, a couple properties, one that I lived in, my home. I mortgaged it up to the hilt. I borrowed uh, $20,000 from family that I paid back in a year. And I was able to satisfy the bank's interest. I was also fortunate because at that time, and I was a salaried employee, I was able to get a, I believe it was some form of capital gains loss exemption. I don't know what it was. It was some legal um, accounting technique where you could, if you had a loss like I did, even though it was a corporate loss, and then you ended up putting money in. Long story short, I was able to get some back on my income tax that ended up paying back that money, even though most of it was back in debt that I had to pay off. So the ice cream shop was an incredible experience. And we continued to make ice cream on the farm because it was something we did on the farm and it was fun to do. But as far as this business, the ice cream shop business in London, Ontario, it, it ceased to exist. We didn't declare bankruptcy or anything. We just paid people off and that was the end of that experience. So when you look at that and I look at it, and I think about it regularly, even though that would have been 28 years ago, the question I would have, well, what did you learn? What are the three key points to never forget when you're investing or starting a business or involved in something like this? The first, own your mistakes. The ice cream shop problem was my problem. I created it. I didn't take care of business. I was distracted, and I'll get into two other points that can come up that summarize all the problems. We could go on for a very long time with all the mistakes I made. Um, the good one is I survived and was able to, my family survived and able to learn from this. So the first is own your mistakes, because without owning your mistakes, you can't really learn from it and move on to becoming a better investor. So if, you've, you know, if you're 25 years of age and you bought a stock and the stock tanked or the mutual fund isn't doing well, or you bought a condo and now you're underwater, whatever the situation may be, you need to own that mistake. The second, identify what you must do and hire out the rest, but have a system or systems in place to monitor everything. So currently with your own finances, you may think that you've hired a, a financial expert or someone at a bank who's looking after your mutual funds, and you may think that you've solved that problem. However, you need to ask yourself, are you taking care of the most important part of that decision? 
You need to identify, and I believe, by the way, you need to know where your money is being invested, how it's being invested, because you work so hard for it. So in any business, in any investment, you need to identify what you must do, what you have to do, hire out the rest, but have systems to monitor all of them. The third point, extremely important, dig to find the true factors to increase your chances beyond a coin flip. So let's look at the ice cream shop. What did I do? Well, I didn't do any of that, which is, I think, one of the primary reasons that why I failed. Uh, you could argue and say, well, you know, you weren't responsible for the for the um, entranceway closing by your ice cream shop in the mall. Well, yeah, I, I own that problem because I should have checked what was going on in the building. I should have checked the, the lease. I should have done better due diligence, and I didn't. Ice cream is a seasonal business, duh. What did I think was going to happen in an outdoor um, shop on Richmond Row? Sure, it'll kill for three or four months, maybe five or six, depending on the weather. But what are you going to do in February on Richmond Row in an outdoor shop where you're selling ice cream? It's crazy. What about the variable of only having one supplier for cream products controlled by the government? I got involved in a business where I only had one monopoly, one person or one group or company to buy cream from. You can't, you can't, and you can't negotiate price. So immediately, if you look at that due diligence, if I had done that, looked at those details, you know, I definitely would have known this is a problem waiting to happen. So I stumbled and bumbled my way through and was able to survive. But I want you to remember these real, you know, these three important rules, whether you're running a business or making an investment. Probably the first is own your mistakes. You have to own your mistake, as I said. And then that leads you to the next step. And, and the goal in any investment is to improve your chances beyond a 50-50 or a coin flip. And you do that by isolating the variables, by doing your homework, and by working hard. And that's one of the things I want to talk to you about throughout this podcast Steps that you can take to take control of your money and do the work because you work so hard for it so you can then enjoy life more, not have the stresses of of not being able to pay bills or wanting to achieve goals and enjoy your, your life as you should. So that's the ice cream shop, the ice cream shop, and the three must-do strategies, whether you're investing, running a business, or starting one. Now, I just want to give you, because this, you know, this is our first podcast, so let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to be doing. So, if you go to the Facebook, Shrink Money Advice, if you go to the Facebook page, there you can post questions. And what I'll do is, in future podcasts, I'll have guests, and I'll, I have a lot of stories to tell about my <laughs> investing life that hopefully will be helpful for you. And also, I'll be bringing on guests. So, if you have a specific question or questions about investing, uh, I'll be able to bring them up here in the podcast, and this is where I will answer those questions. Also, remember, um, the uh, the book will be available on uh, Amazon, as well as um, the audio book will be available on Sound A-W-E-S-O-U-N-D, shortly, so enjoy that. I also want to close by saying a couple of things about uh, what you need to remember. When you listen to me on this podcast, please remember that you still need to consider your own situation, talk to your own financial advisors, and, and make sure you, you, know, you take your time before you jump into anything. Uh, 
In the book, I, I talk about the different stocks that the uh, characters purchased in my book and what they're going to do about that. And then in the end of the book, I talk about what I will do uh, 10 years from now, which is another update, whether it's through an ebook or even something in print. But the the podcast, in this podcast, I'll also have a section uh, in, the, in the next one where I review stocks, and I'll have a very structured sort of approach to this podcast to help you. So again, I am Henry Speck. This is the Shrink Money Advice Podcast, and I will see you again shortly. Have an amazing, successful week. You have been listening to the Shrink Money Advice Podcast with Dr. Henry Joseph Speck. Remember to pick up your copy of Dr. Speck's latest book, Shrink Money Advice, on Amazon.ca or the audio version at awesound.com. That's A-W-E sound.com. 